You know what I love? Sex toys. That's probably pretty obvious. But what I love even more is toys designed for queers by queers, and that's why I shop at Wet For Her. Their online store has everything you need for your queer pleasure, from harnesses to non-anatomical dildos to packers to finger extenders. Whether you're cis, trans, or non-binary, Wet For Her is committed to helping you find the tools that will enhance your pleasure. Head over to wetforher.com and look at all their amazing products, and don't forget to use our code SHRIMPTEA that's all one word at checkout for 10% off let us know what you get hello welcome to the shrimp teeth podcast where we discuss alternative relationships queerness and sexuality my name is sam first a note for new listeners on this podcast we aren't afraid to dive into topics that are considered non-normative controversial or even taboo we talk to folks with a range of different identities and experiences We don't expect you to agree on every concept presented. We simply ask that you keep an open mind, relax, and enjoy while we get learning. Today, you're going to be hearing an excerpt. If you want to hear the full interview, head over to patreon.com slash shrimpteeth, where we've released the entire uncensored bonus episode. All right, listen to what we have to say. Hello, everyone. Um, We're back and I have two lovely guests today. Uh, We're going to be talking about this lovely book, A Color Named Love, and about introducing polyamory or ethical non-monogamy to families and how it ties in with people who have children. So without further ado, I would love for y'all to introduce yourselves. Mariana, since you are the first one I connected with, I'll let you go first. Who are you? Tell us the whole thing. (laughs) Well, first of all, Sam, thank you so much for having us here. Me and Megan, I'm very excited to be talking to everyone. I connected with Sam mainly because I am the author of A Color Named Love, Mm -hmm. and I, it's, uh, the first children's book with polyamorous parents represented, which for me was really important because I'm also non-monogamous and I want to have kids. So for me, I felt the urge and the need to write this book. I, I've never seen a book like this for children that uh, relates and talks about this for caregivers more than two in uh, someone's life. And I connected with Sam because of that. And I also connected with Megan because of the book. And I'm just excited to be here telling you why and how I wrote this story. I love it. Thank you so much. Really excited to have you. And Megan, so I want to know first about the illustrator. I know that's not super related to this conversation, but who are they? Are, were they a friend? Like, what was the process of finding that person? Yeah, so Clara is mm-hmm. our illustrator. I met her in first grade. She's mm-hmm. a friend of mine since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to write this book, I was not an author. I was had a 10-year-old career in marketing. And I was like, I need to do something different. I need to work mm-hmm. on something different. And this book really just came to me as something that I needed to write. And I reached out to Clara and I was like, would you like to help me in this journey? I don't have any kind of money right now, but I, I'm w- ready to share all the, the revenue mm-hmm. with you because we are co-creating the story. And, and mm-hmm. I told her about the, about the book. I came out to her as non-monogamous while telling about this book, which was very, very important for me since she's a childhood friend. And she was so open and so respectful of the subject and the topic, which I think is like a very delicate and special subject that I didn't want to give to anyone. And she has a son. 
And she is a single mother and she wants to raise her son in this world where he is able to become whoever he wants. He, he doesn't know yet. He's 10 years old. He's fine figuring it out. And she was so excited to be able to illustrate a story that could also help him figuring out who he is and, and other kids around. So she just decided to embark with me on this journey and we, we did it together from there. And it has yeah. been very amazing. I love that. That's so interesting. For me, part of the joy of speaking about people who are, you know, like creators or creative people in general is like the partnerships that they have, right? So like you are going with your childhood friends. I'm working with my partner's best friend. And Megan, do you want to give us your spiel? Who are you? Where are you joining from? Um <laughs> So my name is Megan Batia. I am the host of Amory Podcast. So we started our podcast about two years ago, and mm-hmm. that's with my husband. We've been together. I've known him for over 20 years and my other partner, yeah. Kyle. I've been in an open relationship about three years and my twins are now six. So I started this journey already as a mom. Yeah. Back to Mariana's story about when she uh, was going to publish the book. I I love that, Mariana, you just had this idea and you started reaching out to people to try to make it a possibility mm-hmm. and raise funds. And when you reached out to me and said, hey, I have this idea for a book, I, I instantly fell in love with the idea because I had never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I already, my kids, I was already reading them stories and I think we see ourselves reflected in, in, you know, books and shows and everything. And nothing was reflecting my kids' experience mm-hmm. uh, until Mariana's book. So I was really thankful and happy yeah. to support the, the project. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess that's a great segue into asking you, Mariana, if you want to explain to us, like, where was the inspiration? I mean, you did talk a little bit about um, how you're non-monogamous, but do you want to tell us about your own family and what led you to writing this book a little bit more specifically? When I was small, my parents split up. And I think reading about kids who had parents who split up really helped me understand and navigate my my life mm-hmm. problem, which I consider a problem, a problem at the time. And um, I lived with my mom and my grandma in a big house with aunts and uncles and cousins and everyone. It was like so many caregivers, everyone running around and helping and supporting in a way. But I never knew I could have more than one partner at the same time. I've never seen movies about that I've never read about that my mother never told me anything about that so for me it wasn't even a possibility and when I was in my early 20s I started figuring out I want to be also with girls and also with boys and I had my boyfriend at the time and then like how would I navigate that and it just it was a very natural next step to open up my relationship with him and start uh, having relationships with our friends and people who were close to us Mm -hmm. and it was such an open and loving environment that I've, I I finally felt it was natural to feel like that. And I I had never thought that could happen before. And I decided to get married with my primary partner. We got married and we continued having an, a non-monogamous relationship. Very open and very respectful of each other's boundaries and having a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. And our next conversation was, we want to have kids. But how are we going to have kids with our relationship being like that, because it's been such a hard time talking with my parents, with my mom about that, with my grandparents, they don't understand, they, they don't accept it very well. And I want to have a kid that accepts it and understands it and chooses to be whoever they want. And then I started talking with friends who are also non-monogamous and have kids. And they told me it was very hard. One of them, a couple I know had a kid of six 
and the kid was going to school and they were very shy of how to open up to the kid and how will the kids in school see their son when they start coming to the house, how would they feel? And I was like, well, you should just read a book to them about it because I read when I was young and it was fine. And they were like, yeah, there are no books about it. And I was like, no, I need to do this. I need to create that. And I just felt this urge and this necessity to have and create this tool that would help my kids and other kids, such as Megan's kids, to see themselves and their families and and understand the meaning, not only for the kids, but also for the parents and see like, well, I belong, I have a family, my daughter or my child has a, a polyamorous family and it's okay. So that's mm-hmm. when I decided to, to really come up with this tool, this book to help other kids and my future kids as well. Yeah. You brought up something that's so interesting about how a lot of parents have been divorced. So they have multiple parents and we have really good language for, you know, a step parent, a stepmom, a stepdad. We have that kind of language. It's pretty well accepted by today's standards, but we do not have <laughs> that kind of established language when it comes to polyamorous families. And I think what I really loved about your book was sort of the normal entry of like more and more parents and how it doesn't have to be this like really scary or unusual um, experience. But like you said, there's no good uh, books on this topic, right? And one of the questions I had written, because I was curious if you had found anything, was do you have any books to recommend um, for polyamorous families? Have you found anything as you were working on this book? Have you reached out to people who are working on similar projects? Megan, I'd be curious, since you have kids too, what do you do? Do you read them books? <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> since I don't have kids, I haven't read anything for them yet. So I would love to hear, Megan, what were your things you had to help you? Sure. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of research for it. It didn't come up naturally. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily think to reach for books as a resource there. And because Mm -hmm. we travel full-time, we actually don't travel with books. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing podcasts a lot. And, uh, and I will tell you, there's no representation in any kind of children's stories, you know, oral stories about having more than one parent or Mm -hmm. having any type of polyamorous, uh, parenting happening. So, I mean, hopefully it will trickle in from books. Then usually, um, it goes into the newer mediums of podcasts. Maybe just an idea for you, Mariana, to create a (laughs) podcast. Oh, you do. You have it on audible, right? You have an audio version. Yeah, we have an audio version. Oh, cool. I love that. Uh, from the other books that I saw when I was researching because I, I wanted to find books that had that's why I started to look for them and I couldn't mm-hmm. find them but there are some books that people always mention like there's one called Six Dinner Seed which is a book about a cat that has six owners and he goes to each house and each, each owner gives him a different meal a different kind of thing but I would love to talk to the author and say hey did you specifically thought about polyamory non-monogamy when writing this book because when because clara the illustrator she read it as a kid and i told her years later about this book when we were talking she was like i read this book as a kid and i didn't think it was about non-monogamy but now that you're saying it makes sense it could be but like (laughs) couldn't but it kind of talks about the six different caregivers that have different roles in this cat's life so Mm. it could be there's also another book called else marie and her seven little daddies and Els has a mother that has a normal size and she has seven tiny daddies that go with her and do things with her. And she's very scared of going to school 
and the other kids think she has seven dads and then the seven dads arrive and they all have a different like they play different with her they're funny and the friends are comfortable with it so they can be conversation starters for sure they can bring this different family environment but they're not specifically and directly talking about polyamorous mm -hmm. parents in a child's life but they could be referred yeah. to as both of you bring up a really good point, which is when we're having to retrofit these narratives and say like, okay, we can take this and interpret it as polyamory. It can be a real hurdle. It can make things even more complicated for your children to understand. So Megan, do you want to tell us a little bit about what is the importance of, you know, seeing alternative relationship structures for your kids? Like, why is that so vital? Why are we even having this conversation? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I think that they're just getting to the age where they're going to start understanding other people's social structures, mm -hmm. because up yep. until this age, they've really just taken what we have for granted, like, oh, this is normal, which mm -hmm. is great, because since they were three, they've met my other partner. And now we've gone through various living situations where I lived with my husband, my kids and my other partner for five months in New Zealand. And then we lived with my husband's partner here in Costa Rica for three months. So it's mm -hmm. just been normal for them. They're just now getting to school age where they're going to start meeting other people, other parents, uh, other living situations. And I think that the more that we can normalize it with them being able to see themselves reflected in things mm. like Mariana's book. And I mean, right now it's not happening in cartoons, but that may take a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but for them to realize that there are so many different structures and living arrangements and, and ways to live. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we travel so much is we don't want our kids thinking that there's just one right way to be in the world. Right. Uh, they've seen so many different cultures. So parenting and the family structure is just one more way, one more variation of like mm -hmm. how many different ways there are to be in the world. So it's just starting. I'm just starting on that I part of my journey that. with them. I'm also curious then like, as someone who's non-monogamous, how much information do you share to your kids? Like, how do you explain that? How do you get to a point where it feels normal for them to accept all of this? We talk a lot about love, which is why a color named love was so appropriate. It's mm. just like love. And we have more, more love in the family and more mm. people and they bring us different gifts. Uh, so we were already really relating to the kids like what Mariana wrote in mm -hmm. her book. They had already had kind of, my partner came in for a little while and mm -hmm. then and then left. Um, so we just talk about love and that we can, you know, they love their mommy and their daddy at the same time. So of course, you know, mommy and daddy can love our two partners as well. They're almost six. They don't necessarily understand anything physical yet. We, mm -hmm. they, they have seen us sleep in the same bedroom. So they know mommy sometimes sleeps in the same bedroom as, as daddy and sometimes in the bedroom with, with Kyle my husband, when he's here with his partner, they sleep in the same bedroom. So for them, they don't even, I mean, this is just for us and how we live. There are so many different variations on ethical non-monogamy. So this is just what we've normalized mm -hmm. uh, and that we've got a really fluid schedule. So sometimes mm. it's mommy and daddy here. Sometimes it's mommy and Kyle. Sometimes it's my husband and his partner and they mm -hmm. just get all the parents around all, yeah. all the time. So if that answers the, the question. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's really wonderful. And it's funny because so many people are very resistant to even the notion of bringing polyamory 
you know, for kids as if it was like an inappropriate thing to do. What are your thoughts on this? Like this idea that somehow we're sexual deviants or perverts and that we should be kept away from kids and not talk about polyam. I don't know if y'all have no, any I mean, thoughts. No, no, uh, and <laughs> no, that's just exactly. my two cents. Um, <laughs> sure. they, they don't know. It's like how we relate to mm-hmm. ourselves, our bodies. So ex- for example, a, a less kind of triggering thing perhaps is like how I relate to my body. I relate to my body really well. I love my body. So that's, they're kind of learning by example, how to relate to their bodies through how they see see me relating to my body. But it's the same thing too. Relationships is kind of, we're modeling our relationships. And if I'm weird about it, then they're going to think that there's something weird. If I'm good with it, then, then why wouldn't they be good with it? Exactly. And I also think there's like a very sexualized notion of polyamory like because of media and how traditional media portrays it and they're all like these tv shows and the sensationalism about mm-hmm. sexual usually three cis women and a man or like and yeah. it's so wrong it's so absolutely not what it is about and i think people don't understand what like megan was saying it's about loving more than one person and enabling to feel this love and it's love it's such a natural and primitive feeling that should be respected and understood it doesn't matter who is it going to for how many people or how it is. So that's why in the book, I really talk about love. I got like one negative comment from all, all the comments I got since I launched the book, one negative comment of a mother saying, I'm never going to buy a book from my kid that talks about my sexuality. I don't care about that. They should not know. And I told her like every caregiver chooses the amount of information they want to talk about sex with their, their children this book is nothing related to that because I'm not in the place to do that. You are the responsible for talking that with your kid, but I'm talking about love and it's a language that kids understand 100% and completely. And you will decide the amount of information you want to give, but like don't sexualize this topic because it's such a beautiful and unique take on relationships and this unique thing called love. Absolutely. And I really like that you bring it back to this because especially when there aren't kids involved, a lot of adults focus really specifically or put a lot of weight on their sexual jealousy. And it, I'm curious how it changes your experience of polyamory when kids are involved because now they're part of the conversation and it's not just about the tension of you relating you know, romantically to another adult. It also becomes about the familial dynamic um i don't know megan if you have any thoughts on that i want to make sure i understand the the question it's Mm -hmm. really about the difference between the way that kids relate to the dynamic versus the way that the adults relate to the dynamic yeah yeah because when you're talking to adults we don't necessarily cap ourselves around the discussion about sexuality and i know a lot of the conversation ends up about jealousy relating to sexuality but when you're introducing that notion to kids you're probably not talking about it that way so it really changes your free i mean i think you you just answered the question it's like adults are so stuck on the thing that they get hung up on which is the this idea of being sexual with another person kids don't they just don't so it's like such a pure it's such a pure version of it if that makes sense I mean I view I mean I love sex but sex is a part of a relationship a part and there's so much more to relationships than that so it's almost been really interesting to kind of have the my kids perspective in mind as I 
navigate polyamory from the time that they were young. Because for me, and this is also my bias, like it's much more about love. It's much more about like having an open heart, open energy, being open to see where a relationship goes. So I love, I love the kids perspective. I mean, yes. Then we add in, uh, I'll let you know in 10 years, well, probably sooner than that, when my kids get to the point where we're actually talking more about sex and what does that mean? But honestly, I think even when we, when we get to that point, they're going to be like, whatever, mom, uh, we don't care. <laughs> I'll tell like, you know, a little bit. And then they're going to be like, meh, no, don't care about it. Yeah, it's true. Right. Like we always talk about, you normal is what you normalize right and at that point like you say if this is continuing on for 10 years like I doubt there's going to be as many big questions part of my job as a sex educator is reading I'm always buying new books but y'all know how much I hate Amazon and that's why I was super stoked to find bookshop.org they give you the convenience of shopping online while partnering with local bookstores to fulfill your order So far, they've raised $15 million for local bookstores, and that's all money that's not going to Amazon. Way to go, bookshop.org. I've made it even easier for y'all to find your next read by creating a special book list with all of my favorite titles in one place. Check it out at bookshop.org slash shop slash shrimp teeth. If you want to hear the full interview, head over to patreon.com slash shrimp teeth, where we've released the entire uncensored bonus episode you'll also gain access to our community discord channel when you sign up don't forget to use our code shrimp teeth pod all one word for 10 percent off when you book a peer support session we offer confidential conversations for individuals couples and polycules about any of the topics that we covered today and beyond hope to see you next time don't forget to masturbate also pee after sex and use lube Goodbye.